Welcome to the 19th episode of the Head Kick KO Podcast. I'm your host, James Herrick, and today we're going to be looking at UFC Fight Night, Surreal Gone versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike. And then after that, we're going to look at some of the other news in the UFC and some new fight announcements that we have recently had. And then we're going to end off by looking at the stacked UFC 259 card, and we're going to get my thoughts on that. So, at the top of this card, we had Surreal Gone versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Now, for the most part, this was not really the most entertaining fight, and this wasn't really the most entertaining fight card as a whole. Um, we had Surreal Gan, who went out there and got a 50-45 victory over Jarzinho Rosenstrike. So when you're looking to blame someone for the, for the major inactivity we saw in this fight, it's hard to blame Surreal Gan. I mean, when, anytime you're going out there and getting a 50-45 victory, you can't really blame them for the approach that they took in that fight when it goes out and it results in that dominant of a victory. So I think most of the blame here for this inactive fight has to go on Jarzinho Rosenstrike. He looked a little bit gun-shy, and um, he was looking mostly to counter-strike, which were, it, it's really a sticky situation here because you have Jarzinho looking to counter-strike but Surreal Gan is such a great striker that he's really a tough guy to counter-strike, and I think that was very evident in a lot of the moments in that fight that you can't really counter-strike Surreal Gan that effectively because you look in there, um, you look in the fight, and Surreal gets inside, he lands the jab, he's out of range. Jorginho misses up. Misses, Jorginho threw, threw a lot of big punches in this fight. He didn't pressure forward, but he threw a lot of big counter-rights, a lot of big counter-lefts. Um, and nothing really connected all that solidly because Jarzinho knew exactly what, or excuse me, Surreal knew exactly what Jarzinho was trying to do with the counter strikes. And at that point, he knew what was coming and he was able to get out of the way of a lot of the big punches that Jarzinho threw. So uh, you have to kind of, for Surreal, he had a really great performance despite the inactivity we saw in this fight. Um, I was very impressed with Surreal. He was showing a great jab. The very first, uh, the very first punch that landed in that fight was a jab, and it landed solid on Jarzinho, and it snapped his head back off a jab, a great jab, and that really, uh, it really set the set the tone for the fight. Uh, Surreal was hitting him with the jab all night, and you could criticize Surreal, I guess, for maybe not following up with with uh, some right or some. Uh, for some hooks after that jab, but I mean, the jab was working so effectively, and he didn't need to put himself in extra danger in there, and that's kind of what happens when you're fighting a heavyweight, because if a heavyweight hits you with a full, with a big right hand or or a big hook, you're going to be put out. We don't have that in, in other weight classes, so I think that that leads to the inactivity that we saw in this fight, and uh, but over the, overall, the most part, Surreal Gan looked great. There was one sequence that I really liked. Um, Jarzinho threw a body kick, right? So he threw a, a rear kick to the body, and, or a roundhouse to the body, and then he switches. He feints a kick and switches stance, and then comes in with the overhand or with the hook. And that just shows. Go back and watch that sequence if you don't know what I'm referring to. If you know what I'm referring to, then you will uh, probably be agreeing with me that that was that shows some great striking. The the that's that's such an effect. I don't wouldn't necessarily call it a combo. I don't know if it's a technically a combo. 
because you have the faint in there. You have to get the reaction off the faint, and but it shows elite striking regardless of what you want to technically call it. Um, so Surreal, when he's doing stuff like that, he's going to be really hard to beat, and that's just the nature of the beast, and that's what you're going to have to deal with when you're facing Surreal Gown. And I liked, I also liked how Surreal mixed in some takedowns, mixed in some grappling, and he did it in the right situations. He never forced anything. He did it when opportunities presented themselves, which I think is a great a, a great way to utilize grappling and clinch, clinch work in MMA. So Surreal, I was so incredibly impressed with his performance. Even if it was inactive, he did what he had to do to win, and he showed he has the skills to be a championship contender. Now, now the question is, what's next for both of these guys? Both these guys will probably be able to fight relatively soon. For Surreal, I think the correct fight is Derek Lewis. Um, you have, you have. I think these are the two top guys uh, coming into this fight. Jarzinho was either three or four in the rankings, um, so Surreal took him out. And I think we're. And the other name here is Alexander Volkov. But I think that Derek Lewis versus Surreal Gan makes more sense, and because Derek Lewis already fought Alexander Volkov, so if you have uh, Surreal Gan face Volkov, then Derek Lewis is going to have nobody to fight um, unless you have him fight Overeem, which I think is a very unlikely matchup just because of uh, just because of the career tra- trajectory of both those guys. You see Derek Lewis is moving up, and it looks like Overeem's moving down, so I doubt they pair those guys up right now. But anyways, um, and I think another thing we, we're going to have to look at here is the loser of Nganu and Stipe. That fight is coming up relatively soon. So if they don't get this heavyweight division figured out soon, we're going to see those those names come into play at the top of this division. But for right now, you have Surreal Gaon, and I think they should pair him up against Derek Lewis. I think that makes the most sense for both guys. And then after that fight, the winner puts himself in a good position for a title shot. I mean, you have John Jones coming, getting the next title shot, but you, that's not really clear when that's going to happen. So I think for these guys, I think it's important to get in there, stay active, and I think that um, I think that's going to be the best road to a title shot for both Surreal Gan and Derek Lewis is to fight each other, and the winner is on a great trajectory for that. And then that leaves Alexander Volkov. Um, Volkov is in a tough spot here. I think you could make that fight with Jarzinho possibly. Um, there's not a lot of very it's it's hard to schedule a lot of matchups in this heavyweight division cuz all the guys at the top have fought everybody. I mean, you have Overeem has fought Blades, Overeem has fought Volkov, Volkov and Blades have fought. So it really unless you want to do rematches, but a lot of those fights, I mean, uh don't really deserve rematches. I mean, Blades for the most part dominated Volkov, he dominated Overeem, uh Volkov Derek Lewis finished Volkov. I mean, I don't know if you could sell people on that uh, rematch right now. I know Volkov won most of that fight, and Derek Lewis got it in the last uh, last couple seconds there. He won that fight. So, I mean, we're really in a tough spot as to where to match up these heavyweights. But I think Gan versus Derek Lewis makes the most sense at the top. And then moving down, I think you can do Jarzinho versus Alexander Volkov. Um, I think that'd be a fun fight. I think Volkov is going to bring the pace and give Jarzinho more opportunities to counter-strike if that fight were to happen. And then you still have Alistair Overeem in there. You have Chris Dowskis just got his uh, ranked heavyweight win, so he's ranked heavyweight now. I believe he's at 10. Um, you have um, Sakai and Shamil are fighting soon. 
So we're getting some movement in this heavyweight division. You have Tom Aspinall as well, who is outside of those rankings, but I think he's just outside of those rankings, and he's a good, really good prospect here in the heavyweight division. So I'm excited to see what happens in this heavyweight division, and hopefully, hopefully uh, we see some. We we should see another round of great matchups. We're really going through a round in a, almost like a season of heavyweight matchups. We had Derek Lewis. Um, we had Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades. We have Volkov versus Overeem. We had Gain Gane or Gain against uh, Jarzinho, and we're having Miocic versus Ngannou. So we're really having like a season of heavyweight fights here, and I think we're going to see that repeated uh, once we get some of these guys squared off against each other in the future. And then we had a great fight um, at light heavyweight here. We had Megomed Ankalev taking off on Nikola. Kirkulov. So I was impressed here by Magomed Ankalev for the main thing I saw in the the main thing I saw in this fight for Magomed Ankalev was that um he he his last couple fights have been some great finishes and it's nice to see someone who can go out there and finish a fight. It's nice to see what happens when they go to a three-round decision against a very talented guy like Kirkulov. So Ankalev went out there and he he found a way to win. And it wasn't his ideal path to victory. He didn't get the big KO. But he goes out there and he gets a big win over a very talented guy. And he, he finds a path to victory. He lost the first round, comes back, wins round two and three. And he, he held a lot of a lot of good position in that third round. So I'm impressed that Magomed Ankalev was able to do that in a, in a fashion he probably, that probably wasn't their first game plan, I'm assuming. Coming into this fight, I think he adjusted after the first round, and that's something you love to see out of a, out of a prospect, especially in this light heavyweight division, because things aren't always going to go your way. So when they don't go your way, what are you going to do? And I think that Enkelov proved that he uh, that he can still win fights if things don't go his way early. Now, um, it also showed conditioning. He showed some really good conditioning. Uh, he didn't look tired or weathered after three rounds. So that's another um, very strong point. Uh, and then you have Kirk Kirklov, who didn't look bad. I think he's still a top guy in that heavy in that light heavyweight division. But we're going to see some movement there. Ankalev's going to move up in those rankings um, for his next fight. We really do have a lot of these guys, top guys that light heavyweight matched up, and we're going to see a lot of these fights in the future. We have Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute, which is coming up in a month or around a month, I believe. You have Ratchik versus Santos, which is happening uh, on Saturday, a week from a week from now. And then you have uh, Reyes versus Prohaska, which is taking place. So we're seeing a lot of these guys get matched up. You have Johnny Walker, I believe, is fighting Vulcan Ozdemir. Let me let me double check on that real quick. Um, I believe I saw something about them trying to book Vulcan Ozdemir. So, why? What is going on? Um, just a second. Ye oh, so they tried booking. Uh, they tried booking Ozdemir versus Kirklov in October, and that fight fell through. So they don't currently have a fight for Ozdemir. So that could be a potential matchup, Ankalev versus Ozdemir. Um, I think that would be a good fight. Um, 
Yeah, so we're just going to have to wait and see how this heavyweight division pans out, I think, or light heavyweight division pans out. Um, there's so many fights happening in the next month, month and a half, especially in the top of that division, where uh, you could put Ankalev against. So we'll have to see how that works out. Um, there really isn't much more to say. Oh, they also booked Misha Kirkinov versus Ryan Spann. So they're really getting these light heavyweights matched up. The UFC has done a great job of getting some of these ranked guys paired off against each other as of late. So there isn't as many options for the guys who are just coming off of fights. Um, the UFC has been very proactive in booking fights recently, which is a credit to them, but it makes it hard to schedule the day after the fight, which is um, what we kind of play around with here. So we also had Jimmy Rivera and Pedro Munoz on this card. Now this was a probably, I believe it won fight of the night. Um, I don't know for sure. I didn't see the bonus winners. I'm going to assume it won fight of the night just based off the quality of what we saw on that card. I believe it was miles ahead in terms of entertainment. So um, you have Munoz who won that fight, used, utilized a lot of great leg kicks. He, he was able to dominate that fight with leg kicks almost. Uh, he really had Jimmy Rivera hurt, but Jimmy still threw a lot of good punches a lot of good combos. Jimmy's a great, uh, really uses combos well. Attacks body, attacks head. Munhos looked very good though. Pedro Munhos, he threw a lot of, a lot of leg kicks. He was able to mix up the attack, land some big punches, use those leg kicks to create opportunities, and won some of those exchanges in the pocket. And threw some nice spinning attacks in there. Had a couple of spinning kicks to the body. I believe he threw some to the head as well. So I was very impressed with Pedro Munhos. After the fight, he calls out TJ Dillashaw. I don't believe he's going to get that TJ Dillashaw fight right now. It's very interesting to see what's going to happen with TJ Dillashaw. I think for TJ, I don't want to get into another. We can get to a wormhole here about what we're going to do with booking TJ Dillashaw and who we're going to book him against. But it's it's kind of pointless because we have to wait until after. We have to wait until Saturday. We obviously have Piotr Jan and uh, Aljamain Sterling who are going to go fight on Saturday. And I think the winner of that largely changes what we see from TJ. I imagine that if Piotr Jan wins, he's going to call out TJ Dillashaw. Piotr Jan has always been in the business of beating former champions who are old now. Uh, TJ's not old anymore. But the big names have always attracted Piotr Jan. He he took on Uriah Faber. Then after Faber, he fought Aldo, and now he's been he's been keeping some of those older legends. I shouldn't say older. TJ is not old. Um, neither is Aldo. Aldo is uh, very experienced, but he's not necessarily old. TJ or Jose Aldo is one of those guys where you Google his name and you don't realize how young he is. He's still in his lower thirties, I believe. But he's looking at former champs. That's what that's where Piotr Jan's looking. He's not really looking at the next season of contenders. So if Piotr Jan wins, he could call out DJ Dillashaw, TJ Dillashaw. And uh, if Aljo wins, I don't think he calls out TJ. Uh, the way that work has worked is Aljamain has been very outspoken about having the best guys get the title shots because Aljo kind of deserved a title shot earlier and never got it because uh, he wasn't a big name. So I don't think... I don't think Aljo is going to be the guy to go in and say, hey, TJ, you know, first fight back, come fight for a title. I don't think Aljo does that. I think Piotr Jan could. So if you're TJ Dillashaw, I think he's got to be rooting for Jan in this fight. I think if Sterling wins, they match Sterling and Sandhagen and run that back. You've got Rob Font running around. I think he needs another win. So if Sterling wins, I think Dillashaw takes a contender. But uh, that contender's name probably won't be Pedro Munoz. 
just off the off the top of the rankings here, I think they're more likely to match Dillashaw up against uh, Cody Garbrandt. They're more likely to match him up against Jose Aldo. Rob Font, I think Corey Sandhagen would be an amazing fight for TJ Dillashaw. From a that that's just from a fan perspective, um, I think that'd be some that'd be a fun fight. But I don't think we see that right now. So I think we're gonna see we're gonna see TJ against the top guy. Uh, no offense to Pedro Munhos, but I think that his name is not gonna be on the tip of TJ Dillashaw's tongue as as the likes of Aldo, Garbrandt, or some of these other guys would be. But that that's uh. Moonhaus is still in a very good spot. I think there's there's we're gonna see some movement in the bantamweight division here on Saturday at UFC 259. You have Dominic Cruz. I think that if Don, if Dominic Cruz wins, I think that Dominic Cruz versus Pedro Moonhaus could be a fun fight to see, um, especially if the UFC doesn't want to move Dom up those rankings too quickly, because he lost that title shot against Cejudo and he got bumped all the way down to 11. So right now, Dominic Cruz is getting a little bit of disrespect. So if he goes out there and he gets a close win against a, someone like Casey Kenny, I think that Pedro Munhaus fight could be something that we could see in the near future. And uh, you still have other guys. I don't think they maybe they run that back with Frankie. I doubt it. I don't think they run that Frankie fight back right now. Maybe eventually. I don't think they do that now. But you have Marlon Moraes out there. You have Rafael Assuntos out. So there's other options for Pedro Munhaus, But I don't think he's going to... Maybe Aldo even. If if uh, Cody Garbrandt doesn't fight Aldo. If, Co- say, Cody fights TJ, I think Aldo versus Munhaus could be a potential matchup. So we're just going to have to wait and see. I think uh, Munhaus is is not going to be able to pick and choose. I think he's gonna. we're going to see some of these top guys get paired up. And I think Munhaus is going to get left with what's... Uh, with what's left over, uh, with what with someone who gets left on the outside and someone who doesn't get matched up. So uh, I believe that's all I want to talk about here off of UFC Fight Night, Rosenstrike versus Gan. Um, that wasn't the greatest card. There wasn't a bunch to talk about, but I think those three fights that we did talk about were very important fights in their respective divisions. So moving on. We had there really wasn't much for news again. Usually the news segment we we uh, we we get off track and we we go on a little rant about something or we uh, we talk some hypotheticals. But this week we didn't really have much. We have Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade got booked for UFC two sixty one, and Whaley versus Rose is being looked at on the same date. So they're looking to have two female title fights on a card, which those both should be fun fights. I think Whaley versus Rose is going to be, I mean, look at what Whaley did with Ioanni Andrzejczyk. So I think that could be another fight of the year contender. Definitely a fight of the night contender. And I think Andrade has earned herself a title shot. And I think out of everyone that in that 125-pound division, I think Andrade poses the biggest threat to Shevchenko right now. Um, I think after this fight, we could be talking about um, we could be talking about Shevchenko versus Nunez again, but right now at 125, I think Andrade is the clear number one outside of Shevchenko. So that's a fight we needed. That's a fight we got. And I'm excited to see that fight as I think most people are. So like I said, there wasn't much other news outside there in the UFC. So now we're going to look, we're going to move forward to UFC 259. UFC 259 is looking like it's on paper, on paper. This looks like one of the best cards of all time. On paper, it does. So, 
we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, this thing could, uh, it could lay an egg and it could suck. Um, but from the name power, the title fights, the fun fights, I think this is going to go down as one of the best cards of all time. It's certainly being advertised to be that. So let's start at the top. And I'm going to give I'm going to give some my first initial thoughts on this card right now. I'm going to I'm going to give some more in-depth thoughts on TikTok. Go follow the TikTok if you haven't. We have predictions for fights coming out on there. It's just a 1-minute video of me explaining who I think is going to win, why, a little bit of insight and um the reason I'm not doing that now is cuz I usually study those coming up throughout the week. So uh, the what we're seeing here is my first initial thoughts on UFC 259. I'm going to look deeper into these fights and look from a more technical standpoint. I do that early in the week and then I post the videos on Saturday. And for this one, for this one, we'll have I'll do the three title fights. I'll do predictions and an outlook for those fights. So those will probably come on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, one each day, I'm assuming. So. But for right now, we're just going to get some initial thoughts, some initial reaction, what's going through my head right now. And all these picks are subject to change. If you want to see my official picks, um, excuse me. If you want to see my official picks, follow me on Tapology. Um, that's Tap Tapology and uh, Verdict MMA are the two best places to find official picks. Um, what I'm doing now is just kind of an initial thoughts uh, on fights. So, Tapology is Head Kick KO Podcast. Verdict MMA is just Head Kick KO Pod. So, you can go and find those if you are interested. So, we have at the top of the card, we have Jan Blachowicz versus Israel Adesanya. And this is going to be Izzy going for a... He's going for that double chance status. And this fight is very... It's, it's pretty much just speed versus power. Precision versus power. Jan Blachowicz is the definition of Polish power, and if he touches you, he will do damage. That's the thing we saw against Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes, or excuse me, um, Jan Blachowicz, every time he touched Dominic Reyes, you could see the damage it did. Those kicks to the body beat up Dominic Reyes's body like, like none, I, I don't want to say none I've ever seen, but... Jan Blachowicz is some of the best roundhouses to the body, just from the pure bruising that we saw on on Dominic Reyes's uh, rib rib section during that fight. Israel Adesanya strategically pieces guys apart from from and and saying this, I don't want to overlook Jan Blachowicz's technical abilities. Jan really isn't just power, but he does have technical abilities, but he doesn't have technical abilities to the to the extent that Israel does. So. So there is a clear, there's a clear, um, when I, when I say that this is technique and precision and accuracy and speed versus power, I'm not saying that Izzy doesn't have power and I'm not saying that Jan doesn't have those, those attributes as well. I just think that, that one guy has the clear advantages, um, in those categories. So for Izzy, I think, um, I think the most interesting aspect of this fight is the reach. Israel has had a, a, a lot of a lot of reach advantage over his previous opponents, and he doesn't have that against Jan. He's going to have height, but he doesn't quite have the reach. So I'm going to be interested to see. Izzy is one of the best at utilizing reach to his advantage. 
So I'm gonna see if he can when when that advantage isn't as when the when the reach advantage isn't as pronounced, is he going to be able to use reach to the same degree that he could in previous fights? I think that's gonna be the main storyline here. And that's gonna be an interesting question to have answered. And I'm excited to see if we can have that. And I'm excited to see if if these dudes get in exchanges in the pocket like Israel did against Whitaker, like he did against Costa. He didn't really get too many exchanges in the pocket against Costa, but the one that he finished the fight was an exchange in the pocket. So I'm excited to see the head movement of Israel, and I'm excited to see if Jan can connect, and if Jan does connect, will he put out Izzy? I think that's a that's a reasonable question. Izzy um, has a very good chin. He got caught clean by Yoel, not on the chin, but uh, he, it was still a heavy shot from Yoel, and it uh, didn't seem to phase him all that much. So there's a lot going into this fight. There's a lot of implications after this fight. If Izzy wins, what happens with John Jones? What happens with the 185 belt? What does he do at 205? So there's a lot of questions, and right now we don't have those answers, and we probably won't have those answers next week. But right now I'm just looking forward to this fight because we're going to see one of two things here. We're going to see Israel Adesanya pick apart Jan Blachowicz and have an incredible performance. And we're going to be sitting here talking about Izzy the same way we were when we were talking about Costa. And, or or we're going we're gonna to see Jan Blachowicz go out there and prove a lot of doubters wrong. And that's going to create a whole different line of stories. So those are two exciting things to see uh, coming forward. And I'm excited to see how that plays out. In the co-main... We have Nunez, Amanda Nunez, the female women's MMA GOAT, um, a top five fighter of all time, in my opinion, against Megan Anderson. Now, this fight is interesting because a lot of people are saying, oh, uh, Amanda's going to go out there and is going to destroy Megan. And I don't know if I agree with that. And this isn't coming from an X's and O's standpoint, uh, technical ability standpoint, Anything like that. It's coming from the fact that Amanda has looked into retirement. And when you look into retirement, you see you see guys have uh, bad outcomes after they look into retirement. And I don't want to see that for Amanda. So I think that's the biggest question is what are we going to see from Amanda from a mental standpoint um, when she's looking, when retirement has been on the tip of her tongue as of late. So I think Megan has the ability to win this fight. Um, she's a hungry up and comer and we're going to have to see if Amanda still wants to be the, if she still wants to be the champ. And, um, so that'll be an interesting thing. And Amanda has, or, um, Megan Anderson has a lot of power in her hands, uh, to put, to end this fight. So, and I think from, she could pose a lot of problems with her length and her reach. And if she can, if she can use jabs, if she can use, um, teeps and and kicks to and leg kicks, calf kicks especially, to manage the range. She could win this fight. I'm excited to see how that plays out. I think Amanda is is gonna win this fight, but I wouldn't want to bet on it. I've had a gut feeling on Megan Anderson winning this fight. I I I, I struggled to pick against Amanda Nunes because she is the female goat by a mile and she's a, one of the best fighters of all time period so going in there against Megan Anderson it's it's tough to pick against Amanda but I just have this feeling that Megan is gonna get it and um I think 
I think um, after I watch some tape on Megan, some more tape. I've obviously seen her fights before, but I'm gonna I'm gonna watch these fights from a more technical standpoint coming into UFC 259. So I think uh, after that we could get a more clear picture of what's gonna happen. But right now I have this gut feeling that's that's having me lean towards Megan, but I don't want to pick against Amanda. So uh, we're just gonna have to wait and see how that plays out. And here is my favorite fight on this card. Piotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. I'm a big Aljamain Sterling fan. He's a great guy, and I love the way he fights. And Piotr Jan is a straight killer. Straight killer, Piotr Jan is. So I'm excited to see how this plays out. Um, for for Aljo, he's planned on using a... Uh, he's come out and pretty much said that he's going to try and out-wrestle Piotr Jan. And Piotr Jan has very underrated takedown defense. But Eljo really only needs to take you down once. Eljo is a is a crafty and unique grappler who gets you in positions and catches subs where you and you didn't know subs were coming. You know, when you when you take someone's back, the way he the way he submitted Corey Sandhagen was incredible. That he got that body triangle, and he got and he got one arm under the chin and it was done. Once once he gets that body triangle, it's. It's he's a tough guy to beat. Uh, they don't call him the backpack for nothing. So Aljamain Sterling is is such a creative and crafty grappler. He he had that Sudalev stretch where he won a fight. He had another um, submission win when he was on his back and uh, the dude was transitioning on top and he caught a I cannot remember the name of this choke. Uh, it's not a very common one. Olenek has hit it before off the bottom. But it's pretty much when you're in full mount and and, uh, and you're on your back and he caught that in, in a transition and was able to finish the fight. So situations like that where people don't expect a submission coming and he finds one. He's a great wrestler as well, but has the ability to get the fight to the ground. So if he can get this fight on the ground, it's going to be a long night for Piotr Jan. Maybe a, sh- maybe a short night. Maybe it's a short night and it gets finished quick. But it, it could also be a long night of... Uh, of ground and pound if Piotr Jan finds himself on the bottom. But Piotr Jan is, he's a very technically clean striker. He does a lot of things by the book, and sometimes that's the best way to get it done. You don't have to go out there and do anything special to win a fight. If you can go out there and have a good one-two, um, have good combos, boxing combos, you can win, and you can win at a high level if you can do it efficiently. And he has a lot of power, and he has the ability to put guys away. Um, he really dominated Aldo late in that fight to get the title. So I'm excited to see how this fight plays out. I think I think anytime this fight's on the feet, we're going to see a Piotr Jan advantage. And anytime it's on the ground, we're going to see an Aljamain Sterling advantage. That's not to say that these guys aren't... Um, that's not to say that these guys aren't trained. Uh, that's not to say Aljo's a bad striker. And that's not to say that Piotr Jan's a bad grappler. But they're, one's an elite striker and one's an elite grappler. They have the other tools to go with that, but it, it's pretty clear where each fighter has the advantage here. And if I had to pick right now, I'd pick Aljamain Sterling. Some, I would say by submission, the round doesn't really matter all that much. Um, but I would lean Aljo by submission here. Um, I think it's. I think Elger, I think Piotr Jan has the ability to win this fight, but. I think Eljo by dis- or by submission, possibly by decision. Um, if he just wants to, if he doesn't want to take risks, he could squeak out a decision win here. 
But I think I think Aljo's going to be able to get this fight to the ground, and I think uh, I think he will be able to do that, and I think he will be able to do that efficiently. Aljo trains with some of the best wrestlers in in uh, in some of the lightweight classes, so I'm excited to see what Aljo can do here, and I hope he gets a win. Uh, that would be that would be a fun thing to see Aljamain finally get his get a title. And a lot of people look at Aljo and they look at him as the number one guy uh, in that division. I believe on Tapology, which if you're not familiar with Tapology's ranking system, they take um, basically if you have a profile on Tapology, you can create your own rankings, and they take the I think it's the 50 most recent or submitted rankings by fans and that is a ranking system and that those are compiled and averaged into a ranking and Aljo is number one on Tapology right now to P- and Peter Piotr Jan is number two so I think a lot of people are recognizing here that Eljo is a great talent so um, I think he can go out there and catch the win and I think he's going to but I think that is one of the closer fights and one of the more intriguing fights that we're going to see all year potentially and then those are the three title fights, but there's a lot more happening on this card other than three title fights. I mean, the 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 first non-title or the last non-title fight on this card is Islam Makhlchev versus Drew Dober. Um, that is just that is that's a really fun fight for two guys here in that lightweight division where we're gonna see some we're gonna see this lightweight division play out, and I think the winner of this fight is gonna cement themselves as a top fifteen lightweight, potentially a top ten lightweight, and. Islam Makhlchev has been hyped for a long time, right? Habib has long looked at Islam Makhlchev to be the one to be the champ after he has left. Now, we're going to see if Islam Makhlchev is really as good as Habib says he is. And he's doing it against a guy in Drew Dober who's a very skilled fighter. He's not, he's not a world beater. Drew, Drew Dober is not a world beater. He's not, he's, not a, uh, he's not your Tony Ferguson or he's not your, he's not your uh, Dan Hooker who will get you respect in that in that lightweight division if you beat them right now. But he is someone who can get you in position to get that fight, to get Islam a fight next against someone like Tony or Paul Felder or Dan Hooker or Benil Daryush. So we're going to see how that plays out. And um, I'm excited to see that. I think Islam will be able to get the win. And hopefully hopefully he is the prospect that we have thought he, that, that we think he is. And that's that's about all that is. And then we have Tiago Santos versus Alexander Alexander Rachik, and that's 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 peak matchmaking by the UFC. Santos is the number two ranked heavyweight right now, I believe. I mean, rankings don't really matter all that much, but just for a just for a talking point, he's the number two ranked guy. You have Alexander Rachik, who's look great, and it looks like he's going to be the next one of the next guys here in, in at the light heavyweight division to kind of make his mark. Uh, Rachik's Prohashka, and Santos is always a fun guy to watch fight. I mean, who's a, who doesn't like watching Santos fight? So, I think this is going to be closely contested. Eileen Rachik's on this fight, just simply from um, he's looked, he has looked great. So has Santos. Ugh, this is such a all, all these fights are so hard to pick. That's why it's one of the best cards we're going to see in a long time. Eileen Rachik, that's my gut feeling. But Santos looked great against Teixeira. He did lose that fight, yes. But um, he dropped Teixeira. And uh, Teixeira is impossible to finish, apparently. Um, So Santos 
It's it, this is such a tough one to pick. Um, but I lean Rochicks. We're just gonna leave it at that. And then the f- last fight on the prelim prelims, the prelims main event, we have Dominic Cruz and Casey Kenny. Now, if I were to tell you that Dominic Cruz was on the prelims of a pay per view, you would you would tell you would tell me I'm crazy. But that's just how good this pay per view is. That Dominic Cruz is on the prelims. All right. Dominic Cruz is, has lost his last two, but his last two losses were to Cody Garbrandt in the best fight of Cody Garbrandt's life and Henry Cejudo. And then prior to that, he was on a long win streak, and he's the best 135-pounder. This this uh, division's ever, or this, uh, he's the best 135-pounder of all time. So, Casey Kenny is a up-and-comer with a lot of potential. And Dom Cruz is not out the door yet. He's not retired yet. And I think Dom Cruz can go on another run because simply from Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz is so intelligent on this fight game and he's and he's such a unique style to fight. You really it's so hard to pre- prepare for Dominic Cruz. I think he goes out there and he gets this win and I and I hope we can see Dominic Cruz back at the top of that 135 pound division because Dominic Cruz is I mean Dominic Cruz is an all-time great, and there isn't there isn't really much more that would make this 135-pound division. This 135-pound division is stacked, but if you throw Dom Cruz in the top the top ten and get him some top five guys, it gets even more stacked. I mean, and, and Dillashaw's returning, and this 135-pound division is already looking so great. But if you can get Dom Cruz a win and get him back in the title picture, it's gonna be it'd be giving some of these other divisions a run for being the best division in the UFC. We'll just say that. I don't think it I don't think it's going to get there anytime soon because lightweight is so stacked, but I think um also 145 is stacked, so I think that uh, I don't think it gets there, but geez, some of these fights in the future, I'm excited to see Bantamweight and I hope Dom Cruz can win. Speaking of Bantamweight, we have Kyler Phillips versus Song Yadong. Two of the top bantamweight prospects going at it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter I just explained why why the bantamweight division is so fun now I'm telling you we got two of the best bantamweight prospects on this card going up against each other that's that's enough of itself to watch that fight that's that's about all you need that for that then you have Joseph Benavidez versus Askar Askarov this is this fight is buried on the prelims and it's two top what top I think Joseph Benavidez is the number one ranked flyweight right now probably Brandon Moreno's number one I don't know I thought Benavidez was so we've got the number two and the number three flyweights in the world going up against each other in in uh in the prelims so this card is ridiculous and I think the winner of this is going to have a case for a title shot Soon, well, not if Benavidez wins because Figgy dismantled, dismantled him twice. But if Eskar Eskarov wins, he's putting himself in a very good position for a title fight. So if you like flyweight fights, if you well, not even if you like flyweight fights, if you like fun, fast-paced fights, this fight's going to be a fun one for you, and the next one's going to be a fun one for you. Kai Car France versus Rodri- Rodrigo um, Bontorin. Another fun fight. I mean, I'm not going to go on and talk about the X's nose of every single fight, but my goodness, um, that's a fun fight. Then the last thing I want to touch on this UFC 259 card is Sean Brady versus Jake Matthews. Oh my goodness. 
We have Sean Brady, who is one of the top prospects in the UFC. Potentially the top welterweight prospect. Um, I think that's a case you could make. He's definitely top three in terms of prospects. 13-0 and 0, um, against Jake Matthews, who is a respected uh, guy in the, that welterweight division. So, for Sean Brady, I'm excited to see excited to see him against a step up in competition. That's a fun fight. And if if uh if I were if I were a viewer and I was a casual viewer of MMA, this is a fight card that you're not going to want to miss. Just simple as that. If you are a casual viewer of MMA, I would sit down and I would watch every single fight on this card. I promise you, it's going to be a fun time. Right? Um, I, this doesn't say when the, when, when everything starts, I'm sure the main card starts at 10. That's usually, that's the main card will start at 10. Um, it's really, you can't really say when the other fights start, uh, that's going to change throughout the week. Um, hopefully we don't see too many COVID cancellations with this stack card. Unfortunately, that has tended to be a theme is COVID cancellation. So hopefully we can avoid those. Um, don't take any of the, the, all these fights are good fights on this card. Hopefully, they don't take away any of the great fights. So, hopefully, this week's um, poor, um, underperforming Surreal Gan versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike card. Hopefully, that was a sacrifice for uh, for some fun fights next week. And you're not going to want to miss next week's episode because we are going to be talking about everything that happened in UFC 259. And we're going to be talking about all the implications in terms of uh, legacy for some of these top. We're talking legacy for Amanda Nunes and Megan Anderson. We're talking legacy for Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blachowicz. We're talking leg- what, what's going on with these guys' legacies. Who are they, who are they fighting next? And we're going to touch on all those things. You're going to hear my opinion. You're going to hear my breakdowns of the fights. So you're going to want to tune in for that. And you're also going to want to go and follow and subscribe on other social media platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. If you're watching on another platform, just follow, like, and if you're not following the Twitter or TikTok, make sure you go do that. And if you want to see my fight predictions, those will be on TikTok. And if you want to see full card predictions and and um, thoughts, verdict MMA, and topology are the places to go for that. So thank you for watching the 19th episode of Head Kick KO Podcast. And... Um, Come back next week and see see the aftermath of UFC 259. Thank you.